Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, we're in a series. We're in our Lent series. Um, Our series is called No Greater Love. And what is Lent? We're really uh, Lent. Is this time, this opportunity for us as Christ followers, as us as Christians, to to bring ourselves before God again in an intentional way and ask him to reveal himself more fully in our hearts. So that's what Lent is. That's our opportunity through Lent. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're actually going to look at this theme of, of, of how God prepares the way. And Lent is us preparing the way here for God to more fully come in our lives. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to dive into Scripture we're going to look at um, a Messianic promise. We're going to be in the book of Malachi. That's our last book of the Old Testament. So if you've got your that, that traditional paper stuff, you can grab that and start thumbing through that now. If you've got your phone, you can swipe and open it. We're going to be um, looking at Malachi 3.1, this Messianic prophetic piece of literature. And it's going to be on the screen as well, the Bible verse. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So this is Malachi. If you, if you know the Bible well, if you've been around the Bible a bit, you'll know that Malachi is really talking about two people. He's talking about Jesus, this person of God. And he's talking about John the Baptist. He's talking about this this messenger who will prepare the way for the message for Jesus. So he's talking about these two different people. What I love about Malachi is I've read around about this. Malachi actually means messenger. Malachi was both a name and a title. And Malachi was was a a title prescribed to to priests and prophets. There's actually a bit of conjecture in, in Scripture amongst theologians, they're saying, oh, was Malachi the name of the person that actually wrote this book, the prophet or the priest who actually wrote this book? And some people think it was. Some people are like, no, 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 this is just because it's a message. I kind of like that, this conjecture, because it kind of reinforces in that uncertainty among scholars, it reinforces, hey, this is an important message. If you've been around the Bible a bit, you'll know that this is talking about John the Baptist. And it can be tempting for us in this day and age, in 2022, to fast forward straight into John the Baptist. If you've got Malachi open in front of you on your phone, if you just hit forward a couple of times, you're into the story about John the Baptist. If you're paper, pre-COVID maybe, you'd lick your finger and swipe a couple of pages and suddenly we're in, in, in the books that talk about John the Baptist. So it's important for us to remember who was Malachi speaking to? What period was he in? Who, what was the, we're in 2022 reading these words. Malachi was actually talking to a people four or 500 years before Christ, four or 500 years before John the Baptist. This is the people of God. They're the Israelites. They're regathered. They're in the promised land again. But it's not like the former season. This is the Israelites after the exile. They've regathered as the people of of God, but their old temple has been destroyed. They're actually still oppressed by foreigners. They're in a portion of their land. They're not in the full land. 
They're in a portion of the promised land. They're enjoying Persian policy, which allows them freedom of expression of some religious practices. And they've rebuilt a temple. They've rebuilt this temple, but the heyday is behind them. I read some Bible commentaries as you read around and you're preparing a message, and one Bible commentary said this, unlike historical records of earlier periods, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, these are all contemporaries of of Malachi, um, they're frank in their description of the post-exilic Judah as lacking in miraculous evidences of God's presence. In contrast to both Solomon's temple and the prophetic promise of the restored temple, the actual post-exilic temple was physically and spiritually inferior. So this is who Malachi is speaking to. This is a group of Israelites regathered in the promised land. They're looking back. They're comparing what is here with what was in the past. They're not looking to the future. They're looking back. They're not looking to the future. Malachi is a message of hope to a people who need to look to the future. Not look in the present, but look at the coming temple of God. Not look at what's spiritually inferior and not look part of the past, but look to the future. And as Malachi does this, as he starts to, as he's speaking to the people of that day, saying, hey, look to the future. Look at what God is going to do. He speaks about this person, these people that are going to come. He's speaking about God, Jesus, but he's also speaking about John the Baptist. So let's have a look at John's life. Let's have a look at his purpose. Let's look at what John did, what John said. Let's jump into to Luke 1 very quickly. So this is, before we put this up, and Daniel will back that off the screen really quickly because you'll all start reading it. So this is a moment in history where John has been born. Okay, so um, John, John the Baptist has arrived. He's been born in the world. This is, this is an account from his birth. And Zachariah, his father, who was a priest, some months prior, had gone into the temple to f- perform his priestly duties and he'd had this encounter with God. And he'd been silenced through that encounter. If you lived in this day and age, you, you may have known Zachariah. And Zachariah has come out and he's mute. He's unable to speak. All you know is he has had an encounter with God. In this encounter, God told him, you are going to have a son who's going to prepare the way, the fulfillment of this Messianic promise from hundreds of years prior. And when he's born, you are to call him John. And at this birth of John, the Baptist, the, the, the fulfillment of this Messianic promise, pointing to the future, Zechariah declares it. He actually gets a, a, a tablet and he, he scribes this, this child is to be called John. Countercultural. Don't call them after the, uh, a name from our family. We are going to call this child John, the name that God has prescribed this child. And in that moment, Zechariah's lips are loosened. He's able to speak again. And he makes these, declare, he declares these prophecies again over this child, John. And that's where we join here in Luke. So Luke, Luke 1, 76. This is Zechariah's words. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of, sin, of their sins. 
because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Malachi points to this future, this coming temple. Don't look at the present. Don't get stuck dwelling in the past. Look to the future. Zechariah, as he declares this over this birth of this child, says, look to the future. This is what this child is going to do. He's going to prepare, he's going to prepare the way. So what did John's life look like? We fast forward a few chapters. If you're not too COVID safe, you'll lick your finger again and scroll forward a couple in your, in your um, Bible. And, and we can look at John's life. He was clothed in camels, woven camel's hair. He was eating locusts and wild honey. I, uh, we look at this through our 2022 lens. I reckon just 15 years ago, we would have all agreed John's a bit weird, very weird in fact. I reckon now some of us might be like, is he my barista? Is he an influencer? Like, is he, is he on the pay packet for Wild Honey Company and he's trying to an alternate way of life? But this actually isn't for us. This is John in his day and age pointing to a future. So how did they see him? How did the Israelites see John in that day and age? Well, he definitely looked strange to them. He looked very different. He was doing something very different. He was declaring truth. He spoke with authority. He was resolute. He, was, he, he walked with a, a resilience in truth. He was adopting a different posture. The way John was in his life represented a profound spiritual truth. He was shunning the way of the world, the culture in which he lived. He took a different posture from the Pharisees, from the religious hierarchy. He was pointing to a future. He was pointing to a coming future. He was pointing to a new temple. It wasn't just what John said and did. It wasn't the things he did and the things he said. It was how he lived his life. It was the, the way he lived his life that was actually preparing the people for the way of Jesus. It was preparing the people for this future kingdom. It was this lived out message. What did he declare? He declared that you need to step into repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and that as you do that, a light will come and you'll be walking in peace. I don't know about you, I look at John's life, I go, oh, that guy's out there, that challenges me. Like, oh, this guy is pretty, I can read the account of John's life and, and how he stood apart from his culture, and I think, wow, that's a gold standard. That is something I would like to rise to that challenge. And then Jesus says this to his disciples in Matthew 11, verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A, a man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in the king's palaces. What did you go out to see? A prophet? 
Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. The words of Malachi. And then Jesus says this. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's really challenging for me to hear. This is Jesus declaring amongst the people, over the Israelites, over the people of God, this is Jesus declaring over us as as his people, hey, you think John's good? This is the Old Testament age. Here's John. He's the highest that you've ever seen. Put them all, line them all up, spiritually impoverished and poor, to the closest to emulating Jesus' way for the world. John's at the top. If anyone enters the kingdom of heaven, they're here. Even the least of us to enter the kingdom of heaven are in front of John. This is Jesus saying to his people, look forward. Look at what's coming. Look at the temple I'm building. Theologians say that John was the prototype disciple. Whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John's here. We're here. That's where we're called to live. We've got to recognize the age in which we live. This is how we can accept Jesus' words of truth. We're not four or five hundred years pre-Christ listening to Malachi. The people of that day with their spiritually inferior temple were looking at the past. We're not there. But we do need to hear Malachi's message. Stop looking at the past. Look to the temple I'm building. We're not on the riverbank watching John baptizing people in the Jordan. That's not where we are. We're in 2022. But we do need to hear his message. Look for the coming kingdom, the coming temple. I know about you, I can dwell in the past. I get stuck. I can look at the words of Malachi and think, oh, I'm pre-Christ at times. In areas of my life, I haven't let the, the temple fully expand in my life. And we've got to look to the future. We're not called to emulate John the Baptist. We're called to be disciples living prototype temple lives. You and I, we're called to be disciples in this day and age, living prototype temple lives, gathered as the people of God, pointing to a future kingdom that's coming. What's the temple of God? It's the dwelling place of God. It's the center from which his presence emanates, from which his rule and reign come. That's what we're invited into. The Israelites were spiritually inferior because they were looking back and trying to build an inferior temple based on the past. We're called to look to the future. I'm going to do a quick exercise with you. I'm going to get you all to close your eyes. 
I'm going to get you to put your hands on your chest. Just echo these words in your heart. This is God's dwelling place. This is a representation on his future kingdom. This is where God rules and reigns. Amen. So Malachi proclaimed this message of hope that was to come. John proclaimed this, lived out this message of paving the way for this upcoming hope. We collectively are to demonstrate the message of the future temple with our lives. When we become prototype temples, when we as the people of God become and step into that, being a prototype of the future kingdom that's coming, people can't help but be drawn in. When we truly step into that and get ourselves out of the way, people are attracted, drawn to the kingdom of God. This is when you get those people that are saying, oh, there's something, I can't quite pick it. There's something different about you. I don't know what it is. Oh, you're the same as this. There's something different about these people. What is it? I'm intrigued. That's the Spirit of God dwelling in this temple. Our lives are to be a prophetic promise of the restored temple that is coming at the end of this age. Our lives are to be a prophetic promise of the restored temple that's coming at the end of this age. But we can get really quickly tricked. I can get really quickly tricked. I can forget this very, very easily. In fact, this morning I forgot it. I prepped this preach. I'd read my notes. I preached this on Thursday and it got recorded. And then I arrived Sunday morning and I'm, my wife is driving me in the car and my phone starts ringing. It's a number from England. I don't usually answer unrecognized numbers. And I know that many here don't as well because I've been calling you on, on my number and you don't answer. <laughs> anyway, it's, a, it's an English number. I've changed my phone still last year, so I didn't have this number on my phone. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's a family member or a friend. So I answered. And I hear this voice. That's an old voice that I recognise. I haven't spoken to this guy for a good few years. And there's another voice, another friend, childhood friend from when I used to live in England. We'd been teenagers together. And I wouldn't say they were in completely inebriated. They were well-oiled, I would say. It was late night there. Don't judge them. It's early morning here. It's late night there. They'd had a couple of beers. And they were watching the, the soccer together. And they were like, oh, let's call Wallace. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's see what Wallace is up to. And they've, they've called me. So this conversation unfolds. My wife sat next to me in the car. And they're like, Wallace. What are, you, what are you doing? I'm thinking, oh, I'm actually driving into church to preach. I can't tell them that. They don't know. I think they know I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure if they know I'm a pastor. So I said, oh, you know, the usual Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's, what's, how's your family? What are, you, what are you actually doing? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm dressed. You haven't caught me in my pajamas. Oh, I thought it was 2 a.m. And they're laughing. 
Ask me a second time, what am I doing? And I held back again. The conversation carried on and they asked me a third time, so what are you doing today? And I'm like, oh, I've got to to step in. I've got to tell them. I'm now going to be lying if I deflect again. But what are they going to think of me? Can I tell them I'm a pastor? Is that going to look hypocritical? Is that the hypocrisy? Because I know I've been with them in my life. They've seen me in dark moments. They've seen me in moments that I don't want anyone to see me in. Can I tell them I'm a pastor? Suddenly I'm stuck looking at the past. I'm looking at my old way. I'm not looking to the future temple. I'm not looking at the temple God's building in here. I'm not looking to the coming kingdom. And I was convicted. I was convicted by this message. I said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm about, to, um, about to go into church because I'm a church pastor now. I don't, know if I, I don't know if you know I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, we know, we know you're a church pastor. Oh, oh. Don't know how they know that. Obviously, people have been chatting. Yeah, no, no, we know you're a church pastor. I said, well, I'm actually preaching this morning. Oh, yeah? What's that then? Oh, well, you know, I stand up and I, I, I give the message. Oh, can we get a shout out? <laughs> yeah, 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 but it's recorded on Thursday, so you won't hear it, guys. <laughs> And then they, then they told me why they were really calling. Whether they knew it or not, they were calling the only church pastor they knew. They said, have you heard of our, our mutual friend over in WA? I oh, know, I haven't spoken to him for years. Yeah, he's got cancer. Yeah, he's really struggling. Would you, would you give him a call? Can you, and I said, oh, can, I, can I get his number? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give you his number. That'd be great if you could give him a call. They really care about this guy. You know why? Because they're compassionate people that are made in the image of God. They've got a heart. Both of these guys have joy in their heart. You know why? Because they're made in the image of God. Ryan Wallace, the only pastor they know who they're calling was getting stuck in his past and not looking to the future kingdom that's coming. And that almost inhibited me from stepping into my role to play, to point them to this future hope, to point them to the coming kingdom of God. We've got to stop getting stuck looking at the old temple, the inferior temple. We've got to realise that the kingdom is coming. Jesus has come. He dwells here and he is building us as the people of God into his living temple. And when we step into that reality, when we start walking in that reality, they can't help but be amazed. They can't help but be drawn into to the kingdom. We're in this Lent season. This season is all about giving space to God 
to come again, to come in a full, fuller way in our lives. We need to step into what John was preaching about, into repentance. In that moment, in that phone call, I had to repent. I'm actually, my dysfunctionality is holding me back from stepping in. And when we do that, when we acknowledge where we're not walking in step, God forgives us. If you're sat in this room and there's something holding you back, something from your past, something that you've never spoken out loud, if, you're, if there's a blockage between you and God, you need to know this. There is nothing, nothing in your life that you can't bring in front of God and say sorry for, and God will give you forgiveness. God loves you, God created you, and God forgives you. Hear this. He loves you, and he wants you to step forward with him through that. And as you do, two things will happen. These two inward spiritual truths that John was preaching about, repentance and forgiveness, move into two outward spiritual truths of walking in light and walking in peace. I don't know if you've ever thought about light, but if you can't see it, it's because it's not there. As we carry the light of God, people see it. And peace is something we experience, but it's also something that God expands around us as we walk as Christians. And people, when they come into contact with you, experience that peace of God. It's been a really disruptive two years. We've been all at sea. Social contacts have been turned off. Our ability to meet as people, gather in each other's homes, so much has been pared back. And then it's all been turned on again. We're, we're now in a, at a time where we're not just exhausted by the online and the Zoom meetings. We're exhausted by the socialising as well. We're exhausted by both. And we see that here at Red. We see it. I see the profound evangelistic opportunity that we have as the people of God. The world is hungry for meaning. But we also see the pastoral need that we have as a church to regather, to come back to these ancient ways and to look to the future, the coming kingdom of God, to allow God to build this temple and dwell here in our hearts. We see that you're a people that want more. You want to step in. You want to lean into God. You want more fullness of God in your lives. But we see the exhaustion, the fatigue that we have just by virtue of our circumstances here in 2022. And so we've asked ourselves, how do we, how do we enable, how do we pass the people to continue to step forward, to continue to step into God? As a team, we've talked about it. How do we do this? How do we do this not for one or two people? How do we do this for 100, 700? And that's why we've rolled out Join Us. It's just a process to allow us to get in contact with what God's doing in your life and help you step into your journey, seeing the temple being built in your heart and, the, and God coming in more fullness. That's what we want to pass to you into. So Join Us is one way in which you can respond to this today. Another way is Lent. If you haven't already started, I would encourage you to get on board with Lent. Download a reading plan. Get the 24-7 Bible app. Get, get Lectio 365, the Bible app from 24-7 Prayer. 
and, and join in. Spend time dwelling with God in the morning here. Two more ways that you can respond. One is in prayer and another is in worship. We're going to do that now. I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to actually get everyone to stand and I'm going to declare a prayer over us as we step into this. And then as that prayer finishes, there's going to be an opportunity to lean in in worship and I invite you to do that in your lives. Father, we stand here again as your people. We look at the words of Malachi where he's pointing to a future truth. We repent, Lord, where we've been looking at the past and we ask you reorientate us towards your future. We repent where we're dwelling in the past rather than dwelling with you in the present and looking for what you're doing in this world as you expand your kingdom in here, in us as prototype temples, as us as the gathered people in this kingdom of God already. Lord, any blockages in these people's hearts that are holding us back from stepping in with you, we repent over those and we say, yes, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for how you freely give forgiveness. We just acknowledge that your grace is enough. Your forgiveness is enough. And we say thank you that it is done. And we ask, Lord, as we step forward as the people of God, as we allow you to rebuild our lives and rebuild us as prototype temples of your coming kingdom, May your light shine more profoundly upon us and be reflected out into this, into this world. As we interact with our neighbours, with our colleagues, with our family members, with people in our lives who don't yet know you, as we interact with those people, as they step into our orbits, may they experience your peace, the peace we walk in. And may that have a profound impact on their lives for the sake of your gospel. Lord, we say yes and amen to your ways. And we raise our voices now and worship for you. In Jesus' name.